Hi, Creator. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. And before we get started with today's podcast, which is all about three branding secrets that every creator needs to know, and our guest, Mel Judson, who's a branding specialist, I wanted to let you know about my new website, iancorzine.com. There I give you free links to a bunch of social media law guides, checklists, and workshops that will help you make better videos and audios and podcasts. Also, you can get a link there to a one-on-one consult with me, Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, where I can give you some in-depth advice on some of your social media law questions. Also on the website, you can join the Copyright Club and there you'll have access to my masterclass and other bonuses. For all that, just go to iancorzine.com. All right, let's hit this. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and this is the podcast for social media creators and entrepreneurs that want to know more about the law as it applies to their social media creations. Today, I'm joined by Mel Judson, who is the the premier brand specialist at MelJudson.com. And we're going to tackle the subject of three branding secrets that every creator needs to know. And by the way, during the podcast or after, you can always reach me at podcast at iancorzine.com, podcast at iancorzine.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at iancorzine. Today, I am very excited, and I really, really am, to be joined by Mel Judson. Hey, Mel, how are you today? Hey, I am good. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I just, you know, we worked together uh, a couple of weeks back and I was just so uh, blown away by your work. Uh, and I'm so thankful that you had time all the way from Taiwan uh, to join <laughs> us for the podcast. Thank you so much. What we're going to talk about today is a recent blog post that you had and you do lots of blogs on your website, uh, meljudson.com. And this uh, particular post was three most common branding mistakes for social media creators. And so I'm really interested in that and I can't wait to get to it. But before we do that, I'm starting a new little thing and I was going to ask you, what is your favorite little known social media app that you use maybe on a day-to-day basis or something that gives you particular insight into social media? Mm-hmm. Yep. So in terms of social media, I don't know that I would say this is a little known app, um, but I am going to throw you guys a little curveball here and say that my favorite, my favorite app, it's not a social media app, but it is for social media and it's called Headspace. It's a meditation app and I use it before I film my Instagram stories. Because the biggest thing I see with people with stories is they're talking a mile a minute and they're blah, 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 and they're like all <laughs> they're all crazy, yeah. right? And you need to pause and calm um, calm yourself and slow down. So I actually run through one of their little three to five minute meditations before recording any video or Instagram stories or anything like that, which I do every single day and probably many of you do as well. And it just gets me in the right headspace to speak slowly and clearly like I'm not a crazy person who just took a bunch of uh, Ritalin. (laughs) Kind of like me. I swear to God, I speak so fast. My job as a lawyer is to get out a lot of information and sometimes I go crazy. So headspace, I guess it's the app for iPhone or for Android or whatever. 
Yep, it's free and it's just a meditation app. And like I said, I feel like it's a social media app because not only is it good for getting in the right headspace before you record, but it's also good for protecting yourself from all of the negativity that can come with social media and when you need to do social media detox, all of that stuff. So headspace, new take, it's a social media app. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for suggesting that. I will get on that pronto because I definitely need help with my Instagram stories. Oftentimes I'm do I did one today and I feel so nervous. I feel so weird, especially because I like to try to do it in a crowded place or some place that's kind of different. And so I really need to get in the right headspace. Uh, Mel, let's jump into your background a little bit. Um, you're actually coming to us from Taiwan. How did you come to be in Taiwan? <laughs> well, how long do we have for this podcast? Uh, long as you like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually travel full time. I started doing that, um, gosh, just about two years ago. I used to live in Los Angeles for 10 years and we'll go a little bit more into what I was doing while I was there. Um, But yep, two years ago, I actually sold everything I own, packed my whole life into a suitcase and I've been traveling ever since. So I actually just got here to Taiwan um, about two weeks ago. And the reason I'm here is because many moons ago when I was in college, I actually had Chinese as my major. So I, yep, I used to live in China and I do um, speak the language and, and love the culture and I had never been to Taiwan. So here I am I'm actually taking Chinese classes again. So I'm getting those nightmares about not being prepared for a <laughs> test all over again. <laughs> so how do you decide where you're, how long you're going to stay and where you're going to go? I mean, is it just literally a flip of a coin or what, how do you do it? Yeah, it's tough. Every digital nomad will tell you the biggest struggle is Wi-Fi. That is our constant thing. Like people are searching for love. Digital nomads are searching for Wi-Fi. <laughs> right? Well, you actually wrote in a recent blog post also that you were searching for, or actually weren't searching for love, but you found love. <laughs> does your boyfriend travel with you or how does it work? Yep. He travels with me now. We don't always travel together, but he's here in Taiwan as well. Incidentally, one of the things we originally connected over was that he also used to live in China and speaks Chinese. And right. It's not every day you meet someone (laughs) like that. Uh, So we both are wanting to get back into our Chinese. And I was also really missing um, some of my favorite delicious like Chinese food and everything like that. So Taiwan was the perfect place to come um, because unlike China, they don't block Facebook or anything like that. Um, and yep, exactly. And there's good stable Wi-Fi speeds and kind of all of the conveniences that you would be able to get, um, in any other major developed country. And that is one of the things that I really do look for when I travel is basically I have to be able to be comfortable, have a nice office. Like I'm sitting in now, have good Wi-Fi so that I can talk to my clients. Um, and be able to access, you know, basic products that you can't always get everywhere. I'm a vegetarian, so I need to be able to buy almond milk and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so oh, that's no, kind of yeah. a... <laughs> yeah, oat milk, I that's great. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> you saw in my story. So here in Taiwan, no coffee shop has anything besides cow milk. So now I'm like the crazy lady carrying little bits of almond milk in my purse to like pour inside my coffee. <laughs> That's awesome. So basically, you run your business remotely. Is that correct? I do. Yes. Um, I worked in entertainment for 10 years. I had a whole career where I went to an office every single day. And, um, you know, eventually it just really got to me. It was the year before my 30th birthday. And I started to realize like, oh, shit, I have like 20 or 30 years (laughs) left of this life uh, of working. And do I want to go to an office every day for the next 20 or 30 years? And the answer was no. And, you know, I had never heard of being a digital nomad or working remotely. 
especially in entertainment, it's very hands-on. You kind of have to be there. So the idea of being able to work totally remotely um, seemed really difficult. But I Googled it, and it turns out there's a bunch of people doing it with the way everything is globalized now and Wi-Fi and everything like that. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to do. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, there's definitely a major trend on YouTube right now that's going on where there a lot of interest in people just throwing away you know, the typical life and then just going as digital nomads and traveling across the world and having good experiences. And then like you said, in the old days, it, there probably was some hindrances for your businesses. Like you wouldn't have a good telephone line or you had to meet customers in person. <laughs> But these days, mm-hmm. it's so cool that I can look at you uh, and do you know, interact and have no real problem with that. So I'm sure it's it's okay uh, when you're traveling to be able to run your business. Yep, it totally is. The, the building the business part is the hard part, and it gets even harder to do that while traveling. But in terms of the connectivity and the ability to run a successful business completely remotely, that everything is online and available for that now. So if you're someone that has been wanting to start a business or just travel full time, you know it didn't used to be possible 10, 20 years ago. Ago, but now um, pretty much anyone has the ability to do it. It's more about whether you have the mindset to do it. <laughs> yeah, that could be probably tough. You mentioned that you were in the entertainment business for a long time. Describe for us what kind of experience you have. I sure was. Man, I got started back in the, the OG beginning days of YouTube back in 2010 Whoa. when we had yeah the first wave of big YouTube influencers. So I actually worked at Make studios working with the epic rap battles team that was how i got my first start (laughs) yeah i know it's like a serious throwback way way back when um probably everyone listening to your podcast has seen an episode of epic rap battles with history um yeah so i worked with them doing a lot of branding design and helping them with their merch strategy um and everything like that because that was back when youtubers realized oh i can make money on youtube the next step is to go ahead and figure out how to diversify revenue so that we can make more cool stuff right so i was on the team the original maker studios team you know before it was sold to disney or anything like that um mm-hmm. working with some of their big brands and then after that i ended up working for fbe which at the time was known as fine brothers entertainment now they're, they've officially rebranded as FBE and I worked with them for years and years, actually originally as a freelance set designer for them. Oh, wow. So yeah, all of those react show backgrounds that you see, um, we collaborated together to design those. And then I came on full time as their community manager. And eventually um, when I left, I was working as a producer of their um, community content vertical. So essentially it was a content vertical created specifically to engage the audience, to create like more casual vlogs, have audience interaction, um, because, you know, the, the newest trend for production companies in YouTube is that engagement is the, the key to diversifying revenue as well, right? If you want to have brand deals, if you want to have a, a fan base that you can mobilize and get to actually buy stuff, you have to have them engage and understand why they should support you. So I was head of that content vertical over at FBE until I changed my whole life. Wow. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in marketing and branding, and it, it's a passion of yours. That brings to my mind that you like psychology, that you like to study the human mm-hmm. mind and what, what is appetizing to them and what is not. Did you study that in, in school, or did you just happen to have that interest? <laughs> 
No, I actually, I studied design and Chinese in school. Those were the two things. So my background has always been kind of as an artist, but I'm an artist who likes money. So that makes me a designer. (laughs) I'm not willing to suffer for my art. Uh Right. right. (laughs) Um, But that's something I always really admired about YouTubers and why I became drawn to them because many YouTubers are willing to suffer for their art, right? Because they are true artists. Um, And that was sort of how I got involved um, in the beginning. What I was drawn to was, you're right, the psychology behind how someone sitting behind a screen, just like you and I are now, are able to engage millions and millions of people. Um, and, And one of the first things I did working with Epic Rap Battles was help create a giant collage with all of their fan mail. And this was what sucked me into YouTube was I read all of that fan mail and a lot of the, it was really, really intense. A lot of like lonely young teenagers talking about how, um, you know, they had nowhere, nowhere else to go, no other friends, but their afternoons watching shows on YouTube is really like what kept helped them get through high school. There are even some really heavy ones about people who wanted to commit suicide and felt turned around based on connections to these YouTubers that they had had. So that was how I got sucked in was this idea that you can create a true, genuine connection that actually changes people's lives all through the internet. And that was the original thing that, that drew me in. And here we are, uh, gosh, 12 years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're still doing it in some way, but also you're doing it on your own terms. You're traveling and you're able to run your business. Now, I have, I'm interested in, when you first decided to be a digital nomad, what was the first jumping off point? I mean, did you just go crazy and say, I'm going to St. Petersburg, Russia? Or did you go, I'm going to take something <laughs> easy. I'll go to England or something like that. Uh, somewhere in between. I moved to Bali, which is oh, in yeah. Indonesia. Yes, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah, I did the thing that everyone does when they become a digital nomad. Bali is like the place to go. And I went there for that reason. I figured I wanted to be around other people like me. And now, incidentally, I had the most disastrous time imaginable (laughs) in Bali. (laughs) Yeah, it was one thing after the next of just like, you know, it was like the, um, what do they call it? Like the the seven plagues of the earth or something. Like it felt like the was just ending around me so Bali was not for me um, but that was the first place you know that I went which is a great place to kick off your digital nomad career because everyone else there is doing it (laughs) okay (laughs) Bali and then you then you moved to where 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 did you go after that yeah so I traveled around a little bit I went to Japan specifically just because I wanted to go to Harry Potter world so I was in Japan (laughs) (laughs) right Singapore for a little while and then actually one of the highlights so far of my digital nomad journey is that I did a cross-country road trip with my grandmother across the U.S. That is amazing (laughs) what where'd you guys start? Uh, We started in LA okay and um, we drove to Boston Boston is where I grew up originally okay wow yeah that must have been amazing yeah. You know, it was really cool. She had done one with my grandfather um, back when they were like 20 years old. They had just gotten married. And so, of course, here we are, what, like 60 years later. And so we kind of retraced those steps a little bit. And she had some amazing stories to tell me. It was also really incredible being um, a woman who now is a CEO of my own business, hearing stories from my grandmother about how when she was 25 years old, she actually couldn't open a credit card. She had yeah. to open it in my grandfather's name. Yes. <laughs> and all of those kinds of things. So just to hear that only two generations ago, you know, for me as a woman, I actually wouldn't be able to have my own business because, you know, let me tell you, I have credit cards. I have, <laughs> I have all the things you need to run a business. Digital nomad. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. So it, it, it was pretty fascinating from that standpoint as well to just really get to um, be so grateful for, you know, where I'm at in life and the, the privilege and opportunity that I have to actually be able to even become a digital nomad. 
Well, I just think that's just wonderful that you made the time for that because a lot of us don't do that. And, you know, um, over time, uh, you lose those stories. And so you were able to spend some good time with your grandmother and get those stories. But you mentioned at the end, the end of the answer that you are the CEO of your own company. What's your company called? Yep. So it's Mel Judson. <laughs> that's Mel that's Judson. the name. I love it. It, it's, it says yeah. everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things I was going to say about MelJudson.com was that, that you write lots of great blog posts and they're very raw. They're very real. I love them. They're very authentic. Um, if I were in your shoes, I think I would write similarly. Um, and one of the blogs that, that I uh, most recently read was about branding mistakes and the three branding mistakes that a lot of creators make. Could you briefly take us through um, the mistakes that you see from all your, from your 12 year career in this business? <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. So the, actually the biggest mistake that I see is not being consistent everywhere. Um, and this might seem like an obvious one, but it's so, so, so important in our digital age with how many different apps that we use, because these days building a brand doesn't just exist on YouTube or on Instagram. There will be, usually people have about six touch points where your audience can access you between your website your Instagram, your Facebook, your YouTube channel, um, but then also any other place someone else has mentioned you. So for example, this podcast and, and, and how that is represented online is now going to become a part of my brand and everything mm-hmm. like that. So there's so many different touch points online and p- people are going through seamlessly, right? They're scrolling through on Instagram, they watch a story, then they head on over to your feed, then they click the link in the bio. Now suddenly they're on your website and now they're over on your YouTube page and all that can happen in the span of like six or seven minutes. Right. And so with going so quickly between all these different touch points, you really need to essentially create a little mini digital universe for yourself mm-hmm. uh, where all of this looks like it lives inside the same universe. If your Instagram grid looks one way, you know, let's say it's like got very calming vibes. And then I head on over to your blog and you've like used a template and there's like colors everywhere and it's super cluttered and it doesn't make sense. Well, then I'm going to be confused. You're going to look unprofessional and I'm not going to be able to remember you and I'm probably going to leave your blog. So the consistency thing is so, so, so important just in terms of people feeling like they're interacting with the same person that they understand, that they feel familiar with across many touch points. And this is a basic concept in branding that we just apply to, you know, digital media. But this is the same reason, for example, McDonald's is so successful. You can walk into a McDonald's anywhere in the world, whether you're here in Taiwan or where you are over in LA, and it looks the same, it smells the same, the food tastes the same, everything is the same. And that's actually what you want when you're creating a branding experience online. You know, it's funny, me being a lawyer, um, I don't know if you know much about lawyers online, but there aren't a lot. Um, You go through YouTube and you'll find some videos here and there, Facebook, some videos here and there about trumping about their accomplishments, but there's not a lot of discussion online uh, about the law. And so funny, a lot of my friends are lawyers and that's the biggest thing. I mean, besides just doing it, because you just have to put yourself out there and that's a hard thing. The second thing is doing it consistently. And I think what you've talked about is consistent brand consistent, but also uh, showing up consistent, right? That's a big part of it too. Yep, 100%. Um, There's just so much information that we're getting every single day. And these apps are designed for consistency based on their algorithm as well. Like if you look at Instagram stories, you know, the little circles that show up at the top, that's whoever is posting the most often, the most consistency that they're literally going to get that prime placement. So, right, it's brand consistency from a visual standpoint, but then it's also marketing consistency showing up every single day in a consistent way. So people know that they can rely on you and they can trust you. And so they don't forget about you 
you because they're getting bombarded with a million other things that day. All right. Well, I think we've covered mistake number one, and that is not being consistent. Now let's move on to mistake number two. What's that? Cool. So mistake number two, and I bet you almost everyone listening to this is guilty of this. (laughs) And that is, (laughs) I know I'm guilty as well. It's hard. Um, That is being too trendy online, Mm. right? I know. So there's there's a balance. So of course, we all want to be um, relatable and using memes and jumping on hashtag trends and everything like that. So that's that's a good part of being trendy. That's content-based. But when it comes to a branding standpoint, you actually don't want to be too trendy. And what I mean by trendy is mostly design trends and other type of trends that we see people implementing into their website and things like that. Stuff like um, metallic gold, you know, and certain like script fonts that are impossible to read or mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, so uh, such a unique layout on your website that it looks like a piece of art, but none of us know how to navigate it, those types of things. So there's these design trends and different, you know, ways of approaching your brand online that pop up all the time. And especially if you're investing in a professional branding designer or a graphic designer or a web designer to help you, you really want to be thinking for the long term. Right. So the principles of design haven't changed in a hundred years <laughs> in terms of the, yeah, exactly. In terms of the psychology behind the colors that we're drawn to, the layouts that we like, the typography that we can read, that's the same, whether you're reading a newspaper or you're reading, um, you know, someone's Instagram bio, those, those principles are the same. And it's the same principles that anyone who went to design school will have learned. And we're just applying them to these new media, but whatever new media comes next, whether it's like holograms that you're going like this with all those same principles of designs, right? It'll still apply. It's just a different medium. So you want to be using basic design principles of color theory, using enough contrast, using fonts that are going to be legible, using content hierarchy. So having one thing on the page that the eye is meant to be drawn to and the rest of it is secondary. Um, You don't want to go in and try to be too flashy and too trendy uh, because one, in two years, your stuff is going to look super outdated and you're going to have to pay to change it again. And two, you're not going to be as trustworthy with your client because you're just going to look like you kind of copied someone else. Um, And then three, uh, you are going to have a hard time um, building up a loyal following because you're constantly going to be having to rebrand and reposition Mm -hmm. yourself. You know, the other thing I notice, and and let me know if you think this is right, is you also have to be context appropriate. You know, each of the social media platforms appears to me have their own cultures. So a lot of times when I watch uh, Instagram story and I see those, there's a a lot of these apps that are amazing that put, uh, you know, uh, various influencers and cool boxes and they have all these different (laughs) graphics and stuff. And then I think myself, you know, stories, at least that I believe them, is to be more authentic, to, you know, to be, hey, I'm here, or I can give you some value in this way. And a lot of times I look at these things, they're so slick and so professional that I almost think they're ads. Hmm. Yep, you're totally right, especially now because they have that thing where if you keep going between different people's stories, you actually will see ads in between there. And those ads are way, way, way too polished. Um, This is something that I learned early on in YouTube, actually, when I was working in Rap Battles, the, um, you know, the head creator and executive producer there, he told me that there's this very fine line for digital creators, and it's very different than people working in the movies or whatever. And essentially, Mm -hmm. you want to create something that's just good enough that people feel like, if I tried really hard, I could do that. Right. So you want to create something that's 
just out of reach of the average person watching. So they still feel like you're relatable, like you're their friend. And it's true on Instagram stories. So when I launch programs and courses and when I do my marketing, I um, use all of the in-app features, right? So I'll just sort of messily scribble some text on there. Of course, I'm, I'm a designer, Photoshop expert. I could create the most beautiful designed Instagram story ever. But you're right, people will just scroll right past that because it's not going to look real or authentic. It's going to look like an ad. So you want to be as native as possible. And what I mean by that is natively use the features available to you inside, say, Instagram stories to create something that looks just like your average person would essentially make in order to communicate your message. Um, And this is, again, the same principles that uh, marketers have been using for years. You know that junk mail people use to get that looks yeah. like it has a handwritten address yeah. on it? <laughs> yeah, I would always open <laughs> right? it. That's what, exactly, <laughs> right? They're like, oh, a letter. And you're like, oh, man. Oh, like, no, I ripped off again. <laughs> yep, it's the same yeah. tactic. But there's something attractive about authenticity. And so a lot of times I think that I find myself, whether it be an Instagram post, a Facebook post, Instagram story, frankly, for YouTube too, um, I'm finding myself being more attracted to something that looks like it just happened. You know, what's, what's going on there? You know, where are they at? You know, so I do think, I do believe in this. And while colors are important and while basic uh, design concepts and marketing concepts are important, I do think some of these platforms are better suited for just pure, authentic, off-the-cuff content. You know, I'm just Ian. I'm just here. I want to help you. There is a way even inside of that to continue to be on brand and create a consistent experience without creating an overly curated, overly branded experience. Mm-hmm. That I can go over when we when we go into the solutions to all of these problems all as right. well. <laughs> we're going to go into solutions. I can't wait to do solutions. All right. Uh, we're moving on to mistake number three, brand copy that is stiff, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is one of my biggest pet peeves. And here's so here's what happens, right? And maybe you're on YouTube or on Instagram stories. Whenever you're speaking, you talk like a regular person, just like we are now. We're using slang. We're using colloquialisms. Like we're being real and authentic, right? Because we're yeah. humans. But then what happens a lot of times is people sit down to write the caption to go with their Instagram post or to write a blog post and they start writing and they're like, to whom it may concern. And they like, <laughs> they take accent. on it. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, was that a British accent? I, I am known for, famously for having, being accent blind, like literally the worst at accents. Okay. But okay. <laughs> anyways, yeah, they take on this stiff, boring tone. And, you know, I think it's the holdover from when we were all in school, in grade school, and we learned to write essays. And we learned to write it where you have like a topic sentence and like three supporting sentences and then a concluding sentence that transitions Mm -hmm. into the next thing, right? We're using this very stiff tone that we all cultivated in order to do well in school that actually doesn't do well online. And it's weird and off-putting because it's not the way that any of us actually speak. But something about putting pen to paper, or in this case, you know, putting keystrokes to the internet makes people feel like it's all official, even if it's just an Instagram caption, and they get all stiff and weird, and they spell out words. So essentially, like, you you want your writing to be the same way that you would text a friend, Mm -hmm. right? You would never text your your friend, like, writing in complete sentences, spelling out every word, like, definitely not, right? You're constantly using slang and inside jokes and all these kinds of things. And so if you were to read through a text message conversation with your friend, there's gifs and there's memes and there's like ugly chinning selfies of you and all of that oh, yeah, kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same vibe that you should actually have online. And it is very, very difficult. A huge part of what I teach inside of my, my business programs is copywriting and how to actually be able to do this in a way that is authentic because it's one of the biggest things I see people struggle with and it can be one of the biggest turnoffs on your brand. You know, especially I see that and I hate to 
go too far, but I see it with a lot of professionals and I think it's masking insecurity. I mean, granted, yes, they, they learn the basics in school and they know how to write a formal letter, but a lot of times they're just insecure about this situation, about their communication and they're, and they're afraid. And so they're thinking that this is the best way to communicate when obviously they know in their heart that just being authentic, just saying what they feel is the best way to communicate to other people. So I see that all the time. Um, moving on, because now what we want to do is we want to cure these three branding mistakes. And the first thing mm-hmm. is, what do, you, what do we do to cure inconsistency? What, what's, what's the secret behind being consistent on social media? <laughs> yeah, so there's actually a pretty good trick here. Well, we, you know, we talked quickly about marketing consistency. So obviously, the cure for that is to show up every day online, right? Yeah. All right <laughs> but, I'll do that. This isn't a marketing podcast, it's more about branding. So when we, when we talk about branding consistency specifically, right, that's creating a visually cohesive experience across all touch points on, online. So the way to do that is to actually have a, uh, exper- like a visual experience in your head and on paper that you're actually trying to create, right? So it's the idea of if you don't know the destination, you're never going to get there. It's the same exact concept where how will you create a cohesive digital experience if you actually don't know what type of experience you're trying to create? So what we need to do is create sort of a guiding North Star that you can keep in your head and in front of you that you know you're always trying to do. And now I do this in my professional branding services, but anyone can do this. Anyone that has access to you know, a computer and eyeballs can pretty much do this exercise. And so what you actually want to do is um, hop over on Pinterest and create a mood board for your brand. So every single brand online needs this, whether you have a professional website or don't, or whether you're just a blogger, anything like that. A mood board is going to be how you actually can do this from a strategic way. So what you do is you hop on Pinterest and don't get lost in all of the recipes and interior design ideas like I do three <laughs> hours later. Too, right? I always see like awesome <laughs> jackets that I want to wear. Yep. And nail ideas. Yeah, it's I'm a mess on there. But anyways, you want to create a new board and you want to pin between 20 and 30 images for your own brand. So if you already have a color palette and everything like that, this will be easier for you. If you're starting from scratch, it's a little bit harder. But essentially, you want to create a vibe. So are you going for a calming energy? Are you going for trustworthiness and credibility? Are you going for bold and out there and energetic? Mm -hmm. And you want to create a Pinterest board with anything on it. It can be pictures of food, of people, of logo designs, of colors, of ice cream, like whatever you want. Um, This sort of creates the the vibe for your brand. So that's the first step. And anyone can go ahead and create a Pinterest board. Um, And then the next step that you want to do is hop on over to Canva, which is free and very Mm -hmm. easy to use. It's a browser-based design software. Um, and pull five or six of your photos. So basically look through your Pinterest board, look for any patterns that are starting to emerge from in terms of colors or energy and pull five or six photos into a blank document. Um, you can put them all in a row next to each other. You can like get fancy and layer them on top of each other. But basically this is your vibe, your brand vibe. And pick three adjectives that you want to describe your brand vibe. So it could be like sexy, fun, and interesting. Or it could be... Mm-hmm. Uh, trustworthiness and you know stability whatever you want type out those three adjectives and then create a little color palette from your photos so between three and five colors just um pull out the colors and and make some little squares below Mm -hmm. and this is going to be your mood board right so this is a guiding north star for your brand now you have three adjectives for the vibe and you have some visual guides and you have some color guides 
So every time you create anything, whether it's an Instagram story, whether it's redesigning your entire website, you can now reference this mood board. And it's not the case that every Instagram story has to include your exact color palette. <laughs> but every Instagram story should include the general vibe. Just like you as a human, you have energy and you have a vibe. You know, when you walk into a room, you affect it in a certain way. And that way is consistent with your personality. Your online personality should be the same. And it should be consistent with this mood board that you're going to create. So you can literally print it out and slap it on the wall in front of you. And if you just keep that in mind, every time you create content, it's going to automatically help you suddenly create a more cohesive visual brand experience. And be more consistent. That's awesome. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was, you know, we talked about being too fancy and our mistake number two. Uh, what do you think about that? Just come from the heart in your, in your social media? <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's two things here um, in terms of being too trendy, right? So authenticity and content is always going to be the most important thing here. No amount of good design can cover up shitty content. Let me tell you. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so yes, authenticity and coming from the heart. Um, but then honestly, any design and branding that you do use, you want to, use basic design principles. So we either need to learn those or hire a professional designer who knows these things. And rather than being too trendy or too cool or anything like that, just stick with the basics. Like I said, content hierarchy, typography that we can read, please. If I never have to see another script font that I can't read again, oh my God. <laughs> but they're so cool. It looks like I wrote it. <laughs> there are great script fonts out there that are also uh, easy to read. Um, but yeah, that's the idea behind this is that humans have had the same psychology forever, right? The same stuff makes us sick. It's just a medium through which we experience those things that change. But human nature is the same and will probably always be the same. We're probably going to end up all killing each other and ending the world eventually, right? But just remember that, that, that human, right. We know a lot about human psychology and it doesn't change. So if you learn about human psychology and what people are drawn to, then that's going to be, uh, give you a lot more longevity with your brand than just like slapping, you know, a cool like metallic effect on your tech. And then just turning to our third secret that jibes, with your third <laughs> mistake, what do we do about brand copy? How do we how do we express ourselves? A lot of us don't know what the heck we're doing. Uh, we're not copywriters. We, a lot of us don't even know what a copywriter is. Mm-hmm. Yep, one hundred percent. So there's a couple things here, and I'll go through them quickly for you. The first thing is the permission, right? Giving yourself a permission slip to actually put it all out there in terms of your copy and and. One way to do that is to, just as I just did, like give yourself permission to actually do that. But then functionally, a lot of times the reason people are using their copy to position themselves um, with credibility and trustworthiness is because they actually don't feel confident in their brand online, right? If you have a website that you DIY that you know looks shitty, well, you're going to be really stressed out about your copy because you're going to feel like your copy has to carry your brand. So one way to give yourself a permission slip is to get your shit together and hire a professional designer, (laughs) get a nice, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like such as myself, but get a nice brand up there. I mean, if you're running your business online, this is basically your storefront, right? It's your, it's your online business. Um, Even if you're not running a business, if you're an influencer, if you're a social media content creator, that's also your business. And so you want to invest in that. Get a professionally designed brand that you're confident in, that you feel proud of. It'll suddenly be so much easier for you to write copy because you're not going to feel like your copy has to carry the entire weight of the credibility for your brand. So that's tip number one for this. Tip number two is going to be to get yourself into the mindset of, of writing the way that you speak. And there's a really simple way to do this, which is just to record yourself speaking. 
right? So when I'm going to do an Instagram caption or a blog post or anything like that, especially if I'm like not feeling in the mood, I'll actually say it. I'll record myself. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll call up one of my friends or um, one of my business partners and explain it to them and record that. And then I just transcribe that with all of the likes and everything like that, like the way that we actually speak, Mm. right? Using using colloquialisms, using like weird. Tr- in this case, it is okay to be trendy because you want to use things that you would actually say in speech, and you want to not use things that no people are no longer saying anymore, like on fleek or whatever. That's another thing I see people do is like <laughs> insert all the time. <laughs> Dang it! <All> right. <laughs> I mean, if you actually say it, fine. But I see people like forcing slang into their captions that like they would never actually say just to like make it seem more casual. And it's like if a robot tried to write an Instagram post, like it's super weird. Yeah. So if you just actually speak your content, you'll realize how much more casually you speak than you write. And that'll slowly change your mindset and start to leak into your brain. And then you'll eventually be able to just sit down and the content will just flow. Well, I think you gave us more than three secrets. I think you gave us like a hundred <laughs> secrets. I'm going to like transcribe this podcast so I can learn from them. Now, this is actually said, seven podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. You said that one of the best things you can do for a person that's trying to get their business off the ground, especially on the online area, is to hire a brand specialist like you what are some of the services that people can get from you on meljetson.com? That's right. So one of the first things I recommend people do even before they're ready to invest in a full-on brand and website is get their Instagram landing page set up, which is what you and I worked on together. And that's essentially a strategic way around Instagram's one link policy. Uh, You're all probably familiar with the fact that you just get one link in your Instagram bio. And for most people, this links to your website. But if you're someone you know, like Ian or like myself, you probably have a new blog post up. You probably have a new offer or service that you want people to purchase. You probably have a new YouTube video, right? You have all these different things that you want to send people to. And so what you can actually do is create a landing page on your website with multiple different links so that when they click that link, it actually shows a bunch of buttons. And there are services out there that will allow you to do this for free. And those are a good start. But they break a lot of the rules that we just talked about in terms of branding consistency and everything like that. So the first thing that you could do um, is hire a professional designer. And I have a service exactly for this to actually create an on-brand landing page for you so that at the very least, from your social media bio, you're able to send people in a consistent and professional way to your other touch points on the internet. Um, But the next thing you are going to want to have is, yes, a consistent brand and website that you are actually sending people to from your social media profiles. Um, And I usually don't recommend people who are just starting out get this. If you're just starting out, you probably can get away with DIYing because you're still figuring out who you are, who your business is online. But usually I say if you're someone who's been in business for at least about a year and you have results, you have clients, you're bringing in some revenue, you feel established in your business plan and who you are and how you show up online, well, then it's time to go ahead and get a professional brand and website, which is a service that we offer. Um, I have a team and we work together to be able to create an amazing brand for you. We work specifically um, with with women online service providers. That is who we specialize in. Yep, exactly. So if you're someone online, you're a coach, you're a yoga instructor, you help people with their fitness, with their nutrition, anything like that, that is what we specialize in. And those are the services that we offer. Um, But then the other service that we actually offer over there, which I'm not sure if you even know, Ian, is... um, is business mentorship. Yeah. And that is also for women getting started with their online business. So if you heard my stories about being a digital nomad and you're like, I want in, how do, how the heck 
do I start an online business? <laughs> Let me tell you, you need a mentor who can pave the way for you and tell you exactly how to go ahead and do it. So that is another service that we offer where we teach women how to start businesses online using skills that you already have and actually be successful at it rather than making, you know, $100 a month for the next three years while you read all the free blog posts and try to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, I just want to go back a little bit to your Instagram service, your landing page service. I, I just, you know, I, I hired you. That's how I found you. I was looking for some sort of resource, some sort of solution to that one link problem on Instagram. And I found you and I was just like, wow, this, this woman is so smart. <laughs> What's so great about the service is that you not only for a fairly reasonable amount of money in, a, in about a week's time, you get this landing page that goes on your native website. So I think, I, I don't think you mentioned the fact that that you actually get hits on your website uh, when people click into your Instagram bio or they, they click on that link in your Instagram bio. And you can really fine tune the buttons to really be a little bit more attractive than the typical link tree type buttons that you see. And the, the awesome part, which I absolutely love, is that if you scroll down past the buttons, that you can get a bio of uh, yourself. And it's a short a paragraph or two, a picture of yourself. And it's a great way to introduce yourself to people that potentially want to follow you or make comments or maybe jump around to some of your other social media platforms. So I love the service. I think it's a great way to get started. And a lot of women, a lot of men who are starting with their online business are really focusing on Instagram only. That's kind of like their website. And so this is a really, really tremendous way of, of uh, supporting that. So I really love your service. It's great. And that service is available for everyone. For our more high-touch services, like I said, we focus specifically on helping women entrepreneurs. But yep, the Instagram uh, landing page service is pretty much available for anyone that has a website. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mel, where, where are your contact points? Where, I mean, obviously, we talked about meljudson.com. Uh, where, mm -hmm. where other places can they reach out to you? Yep. So meldudson.com is where you can go to see my professional online brand presence. Uh, but if you want to see where I hang out and just like live my life and see all the weird stuff I do in Taiwan, that happens all over on Instagram. Awesome. So it's a pretty cool combination of constant branding tips, kind of like we went over today. And also, um, I just show you what it's like being a digital nomad. I run into lots of hilarious travel snafus, as you can <laughs> imagine. But then I also do a lot of really cool stuff. And I, I showcase that... Um, in a very authentic and casual and consistent way over on my Instagram stories. So you can find me on there at Mel underscore Judson. That's J-U-D-S-O-N. I'm sure you'll put links to all this stuff wherever the links go to this podcast I'll, I'll, put, them, well. I'll put them in the show notes so they can click on it and, and, and join me in watching your adventures because I love reading your blogs <laughs> and I love watching your Instagram stories. So you're, you're just a character <laughs> in a lot of ways. Well, Mel, thank you so much. Honestly, thanks for taking the time out for us and joining us on the Social Media Law Podcast. All you listeners out there, I hope you got some value out of today's talk. As a reminder, iancorzine.com is officially up and running and help kill it on social media. Please remember to, to subscribe to the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine. And if you might take a moment and rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, that would be great. All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>